Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the next installment of the Rocky Mountain Myrex Short Takes on Suicide Prevention podcast. I'm your host, Adam Hoffberg, and today's episode, we're going to cover and learn about an innovative suicide prevention program inside of the VA called ReachVet. We'll be talking a bit about its purpose, how it works, and also some promising new results. So we're joined today by Mr. Aaron Egan. He's the Deputy Director for Innovation and Program Development in Suicide Prevention with the VA. And I'll let him tell us more about himself. So welcome, Aaron. Thanks, Adam. I'm happy to be with you today. Yeah, we're really excited to have you and learn more about the ReachVet program. So before we jump into ReachVet itself, tell us a little bit about yourself and your career and how you got along the path to being the National Program Coordinator for ReachVet. Sure. I've had kind of an interesting career. I'm a nurse and have been for about 25 years and spent the most of most of that time in critical care. A number of years ago, I had an opportunity to come over and work in VA uh, in public health in a group that worked in occupational medicine, infectious disease, and kind of implementing research and other programming in our system to make sure that we were taking care of healthcare workers and veterans. That was uh, a really interesting time for me. I learned an awful lot about VA. I come from a military family, and my dad was a veteran who received care in the VA. And I found it really eye-opening to see what VA was doing and how many things they were really doing right. And about two years or so ago, um, the group that I worked with was transitioning, uh, and I was looking for other opportunities, and I was actually approached by Dr. Caitlin Thompson at that point with suicide prevention about joining the group. That was right after Dr. Shulkin had uh, come out and named suicide prevention as the number one clinical priority, and the office was being increased. And I was asked to join both because there was interest in a public health approach and what that would look like, and that was my background. And I had also proven um, to be pretty adept at figuring out how to implement programs in our system, which is sometimes quite challenging given the differences across our facilities uh, and the size of the system. So I joined then, and uh, in the summer of 2016, Dr. Shulkin became aware of what we now call ReachVet. It was a different name then, and it was an early program where we were just doing some pilot work in how you would actually use predictive analytics to develop a clinical program and intervene with veterans at high risk. And I was handed the job of launching this program in the fall of 2016. Excellent. So what a nice confluence of timing and your skills to help launch this ReachVet program. So you mentioned it's a predictive analytics program to help identify and hopefully treat and serve veterans at risk for suicide. Tell us a little bit about what that all means and how it works. Sure. So predictive analytics really at its base is using lots of data and math to try and determine a group of people who are going to have a certain outcome. We use this a lot in healthcare. We've used it um, for a while now with what are called CAN scores, where we're looking at acuity of patients. Um, and in suicide prevention, we hadn't really done this before. We have a group of VA investigators uh, and other partners from academic and other federal institutions who had been working for a number of years to develop a model that would predict risk in a population of veterans. In other words, predict a group of veterans who were at increased risk of dying by suicide 
or having uh, other adverse outcomes and death by all-cause mortality. Really what ReachVet became was taking this model that was developed and figuring out how to apply it in a healthcare system. The modeling work itself is quite difficult and there's a number of ways that models can be um, developed, but applying them really is probably the most difficult part because models by their nature are predicting risk in a population. And when you're applying that to individuals, it's pretty tricky to figure out how to do that in such a way that you minimize any potential harm and you maximize the potential benefit, not just for those individuals, but for the healthcare system as a whole. So ReachVet has become a really first of its kind application of predictive analytics to try and improve outcomes for veterans at increased statistical risk. That's really fascinating. I'm glad you broke that down in terms of moving from what the model is doing and actually implementing it into a large healthcare system such as the VA. So that's really helpful. Can you kind of take us through that process? What does it look like um, when the model is uh, used and how do, how do we identify these veterans and then what happens next? Right. So the way the, the model essentially works is in VA, we're blessed to have a really rich electronic health record system that gives us just a ton of data about veterans who are engaged in our system. So we take the model that was developed by Dr. John McCarthy and Dr. Ira Katz and others, and we run it every month against the last two years of healthcare data in our system. And what the model is essentially doing is it's looking for about 62 or so various factors and the relationships between those factors that we know help contribute to risk of suicide. Things like chronic pain and depression and previous suicide attempts, but also things like geographic regions. So for instance, folks who live in the West have higher rates of suicide. Um, divorce, recent divorce as a life stressor is a factor. So things that are obvious, but also things that aren't necessarily as obvious get worked into the model. We then every month rerun it against that data and we identify those at highest risk. So in reach that, sounds like a really small number, but we'll talk in a minute about how many veterans that actually was, but we're working with veterans in the top one-tenth of 1% one of identified risk in the model. Every month when we update it, the group of veterans identified in reach that changes just a little bit. And the way the program works is we update the model and then at the facility level, there's a reach that coordinator who's been identified. They're mostly suicide prevention coordinators whose jobs are to deal with veterans with high clinical risk but also a variety of other roles. We have psychologists and nurses and social workers and psychiatrists, all who play a role in being the coordinator. Their job is really to take a look at the group of veterans that are in reach that in that month, look particularly um, at new people who have come into identification that month and figure out who an appropriate provider is. We predicate the program on the provider's relationship with the veteran. We think it's important that a provider who has an established relationship is really the one who carries out the steps because ReachVet is about statistical risk, but there's clinical things going on with that veteran that 
mean that we really want a clinician involved who can determine what's most appropriate for that individual. So the coordinator identifies a provider. We look first for an outpatient mental health provider. The majority of the veterans in this risk group have one, but certainly not all. Some are only have only been seen in inpatient mental health and a small portion haven't been seen by outpatient mental health or inpatient mental health and are only seen by primary care. So the coordinator's role is to identify the best provider um, and then work with the provider to understand what the requirements of the program are and what the expectations are and basically be the champion at the facility of what the program is and the point person for teaching providers and leadership of that facility about what ReachVet is. Once the providers identify, the provider's role is really to take a holistic look at the veteran's care and look for opportunities, look for things that maybe we missed the first time, look for things where maybe we just haven't tried something with a veteran. And if there's opportunities there to enhance care, then to reach out and talk to the veteran about what their care needs are and how an enhancement might fit. That might be things like increased monitoring during stressful situations. It might be something like trying a new group, perhaps for PTSD or another condition that the veteran might have. And even if there's not opportunities necessarily to enhance care because the veteran's really well engaged, then the provider still talks to the veteran and reaches out and just connects with them. We want to establish uh, a relationship with these veterans who are increased risk for suicide, but also just at increased risk for all kinds of other comorbidities because they have a lot of complex healthcare issues going on and make sure that they're aware that we're there for them and really want to be proactive in reaching out to them and engaging them in their health care. Such fascinating program, and I, I think the name really fits it so well. You know, you're really working to reach these vets. As you mentioned, they're already engaged in VA care. That's how, you know, everyone in the reach vet list is a VA healthcare user. Is that correct? Right. We can't model risk if we don't have data. So this program only helps with those veterans who are engaged in VHA care. How do you measure the success of ReachVet? You know, initially we measured the success of ReachVet by capturing some of the stories from veterans who were impacted by the program. Um, we did not have effectiveness data when we launched this program. Dr. Shulkin was very clear that we needed to do more to help veterans and prevent suicide. So he asked us to implement this program before we really had a solid evidence base for it. We were fortunate um, earlier this winter to begin to start to look at outcomes. We, we implemented the program or started implementing the program at the end of November in 2016. It was fully implemented. In other words, we were working with the full risk tier at every facility in February of 2017. So we took a group of veterans early in the program um, and took three months worth of identified veterans and then looked at their outcomes for six months. To see what we saw, we were primarily interested in really identifying whether ReachVet had an impact and honestly, in making sure that the impact was what we thought it was, and for instance, we didn't see worse outcomes in these veterans. 
We followed them for six months because we thought it was important to have enough data to really look at outcomes in those folks over a period of time. And although this was an initial evaluation, it was really very encouraging because what we saw was really the, the kind of the gold star of what we would want to see. The veterans who were identified in ReachVet had more outpatient healthcare appointments. We took that then as a sign of better engagement in care. They had fewer missed appointments. They had less use of inpatient mental health admissions. And overall, they had less all-cause mortality. So all really very positive indicators, at least in our opinion, of the impact of the program. Now, what we couldn't determine is we couldn't determine an effect on death because death data for suicides in veterans comes from the National Death Index data that comes from the states up to the CDC and then to VA and DOD. And that data is typically about 18 to 24 months delayed by the time we have it and can do analysis on it. We looked at what's called SPAN data, which is facility data that they enter into a database on suicidal behaviors on known veterans. We didn't have enough in this group to really make a determination of impact, but we do think that uh, over the next little while here as we work on a more thorough evaluation of the first year that we will have enough SPAN data to begin to start to look at an impact on suicidal behaviors and at least facility level death reports in veterans and perhaps be able to determine a, an impact at that level as well. I mean, this is really encouraging results. Obviously, like you said, more to come as, as the suicide death data becomes available. But, but what is your take on these results so far? They're certainly encouraging. And, and all of us involved in the program, and I think certainly all those involved in, at the facilities, including all the providers and coordinators who are really doing the work of the program, I think found it um, useful and encouraging to see results of the work. I think the challenge in ReachVet in implementing predictive analytics like this is if you're, if you're requiring steps to be taken, um, and we certainly are here, we try and minimize that work, but we do require that the provider do the review, do the outreach, and look for opportunities to enhance, and then write a note about that. So that does take time to do that. We want to balance that with the potential to help veterans because we know that our providers have lots of demands on their time. So this data, I think, starts to help us be able to do that. We'll want to see a more in-depth review and make sure that the results hold with a larger population over a longer period of time. Um, but we're certainly hopeful um, that that data will continue to be positive. Why worry alone? The Rocky Mountain Myrick Suicide Risk Management Consultation Program provides free one-on-one -on -one consultation for any provider, both community and VA, who serves veterans at risk for suicide. For more information about this program and to check out all our resources, please visit the consult page at www.myrec.va.gov slash visn19 slash consult. To initiate a consult, please email srmconsult at va.gov. Hashtag never worry alone. Excellent. And just to kind of step back a little bit, you mentioned um, at the beginning and at, and at the launch, you really had more anecdotes and stories. And I think 
sometimes that's also very helpful, um, even though now you are getting this great effectiveness data. Any anecdotes or stories about, you know, a particular example of how ReachVet may have really uh, impacted or improved a veteran's life and, and, you know, how it's really helping us achieve this suicide prevention priority? Yeah, I think there's there's a lot, and we actually keep a list because I think it was really helpful for us to have those stories, and I still use many of them in presentations because at the end of the day, that individual um, relationship with that veteran and how that veteran does that really is what this is all about. One of my personal favorites, and I think this has been an interesting lesson of the program as well, is a story out of Orlando where there was a, a veteran identified and reached that the facility wasn't able to get a hold of them, so they sent the veteran a letter. It had been some period of time, and the provider received a call from the veteran, and the veteran had been drinking that day and was really not doing well and, in fact, was in crisis and told the provider that they had been stockpiling medications and they were planning on taking their medications and taking their life. And the provider was able to talk to the veteran and engage with them and get a colleague to get um, police to go out to the house to be able to talk to the veteran in person. And ultimately, they were able to get the veteran to come back in and be seen at the facility and get treatment. And, you know, that's, it's an interesting story for a couple reasons. One, ReachVet really isn't designed as crisis intervention. We know that the veteran crisis line and the suicide prevention coordinators do amazing work every day with veterans who are in crisis. ReachVet was really intended to move kind of back upstream from there and identify veterans who might have risk so that we could ideally intervene and help them and prevent them from ever getting to crisis. But it's a great reminder that we never really know when a veteran's going to be willing to engage. And we don't want to assume that they're never going to want to engage just because they told us no previously. And we know a lot of veterans we identify and reach that are really not that well engaged in care in our system. They might come in once or twice a year and get admitted for inpatient mental health. They might pop in and out of the system in various VAs across the country, but they're difficult to keep engaged. And ReachVet really gives us a second chance to reach out to those veterans and try and engage them. And we've had several stories like this where we ended up sending a letter, um, which is our standard practice. When we can't get somebody on the phone, we will send a letter with information, including contact information for them to call when they're ready to engage. And we've seen it really pay off um, and result in what for this veteran was, was obviously incredibly important for them when they decided they were ready to ask for help. They had both the information they needed to ask and, and perhaps in, in sending them what we might call caring communications in a letter, we also helped establish that we were there and, and ready for them when they were ready to engage with us. Mm, so important. Yeah, thank you. That's a, that's a very helpful anecdote to help um, share the, the importance of the ReachVet program. Just uh, stepping back again, you mentioned we launched this program in November of 2016. Here we are uh, about the middle of 2018. How has the program grown? How many veterans are we reaching? And, and where do you see us taking the program in the future? 
Great questions. So in the first year, we reached about or identified about 30,000 unique veterans in the program. That's why I said earlier, it's a, it's a little misleading um, to say the top one-tenth of 1%. 1 that sounds like such a small number, but when you think about there's somewhere in the neighborhood of six and a half million veterans engaged in VHA care, that's still a substantial number of veterans that we're engaging with. Month by month, there's somewhere around 6,700 veterans that are identified in ReachVet in a given month. The majority of those are fairly stable over time. The rest kind of rotate in or out or new veterans come up. So that's how we get from, from that number per month to about 30,000 uniques in a year is some of, a lot of those veterans are actually stable. Where do we see it going? You know, that's, that's the trick here is that ReachVet as it is certainly seems to bring value to those who are identified in the program. The corollary to that, though, is it takes an awful lot of clinical time. And we know that if we focus only on high-identified risk, we still miss the overwhelming majority of veterans who will go on to die by suicide. So if we look at the risk model that was developed here, if we look at about the top 5% of risk, that represents about 23 or 24% of the deaths in veterans engaged in care. So that's, an, that's a lot. Um, but the remainder of veterans who are engaged in care who go on to die are really distributed throughout the entire population. So there's no perfect cutoff point where we would say we can identify risk and therefore we can focus just on that population. So we really think we have to take a much broader public health approach and move upstream for that. So we think reach that really continues to be a way to help reinforce those veterans at highest risk. And it works quite well um, in companion with our clinical programs. We have a clinical high risk flag for veterans. We talked about the risk that the suicide prevention coordinators do and referrals from the veteran crisis line. It really serves as another layer for folks with identified risk, whether it's clinical or statistical. We think where, where this type of predictive analytics approach is most impactful is as a tool and a data point for clinicians in considering risk in veterans. Last summer, coming up on a year ago, I guess in August this summer, we built something called Crystal, which is really a lookup report. Uh, we built it initially for veteran crisis line responders to be able to quickly access information that they needed on a veteran who was calling them in order to help inform their decision making on the veteran. It doesn't replace clinical judgment and it never will, but it really helps reinforce the decision-making process. And what Crystal basically does is it pulls in those veterans who were identified in ReachVet. So if you look up veteran Bill, and he happens to be identified in ReachVet in Topeka, Kansas, you'll see that. It also brings in STORM, which is a tool for determining risk of opioids in a veteran for both accidental or intentional death from opioid prescribing. And then it brings in a whole host of other decision 
points. It brings in high-risk flags, clinical high-risk flags. It brings in current medications, current diagnoses, upcoming appointments, missed appointments, basically a whole bunch of information in one place. Um, rather than having to go into uh, Vista or uh, in, in a remote view and look up that information. And when we built it, we found that it gave the VCO responders in one view information that took between 12 and 15 minutes for them to go in and compile on their own. So it really seemed to be useful. And what we found since then is we've piloted with Vision 10 and we've now started sharing Crystal more broadly with various other user groups. Um, we're talking to a whole host of folks, including the homelessness program and our emergency departments, residential treatment programs, so that they can use it clinically when they're working with a veteran and need a quick understanding uh, of data as part of their overall risk assessment, they have Crystal available can look that up. We think that takes the benefit of predictive analytics, which is taking large amounts of data and applying a quantitative formula to identifying risk um, and puts it in the hands of clinicians so they have that information available as they're looking at the patient clinically and making an assessment and looking at all the records. They've got some, some easily identifiable, consistently applied analytics to help them guide that decision making. Excellent, thanks for breaking, up, breaking that down for us. I mean, I really think um, that helps us see where the future of a program like this could go as, again, you mentioned, it's never going to replace clinical judgment and the relationships uh, between a clinician and, and their patients, but it could help as a clinical decision aid or a tool that they use sort of in real time during appointments and during crisis and hopefully further upstream to really help prevent suicide. Yeah, exactly. And we've actually added now to Crystal a suicide risk assessment using the same model and the same data, but it now applies to any veteran. So instead of just identifying the top one-tenth of one percent in reach that, we really make that information available for any veteran. So in my veteran bill example, if perhaps he was in the top five percent of statistical risk at his facility, that information is now available to the clinician. It gives them some context for what the veteran's risk is. Uh, and again, as we talked about, it just becomes a data point for them in their decision-making that can help reinforce um, their assessment or perhaps just help them think in a different direction as they're preparing or to see a veteran. Excellent. Well, Aaron, we really appreciate your time today and uh, telling us all about the ReachVet initiative. Um, tell us, how can folks learn more about the program and, and uh, read about it themselves? Yeah, I think there's there's been a fair amount of media coverage around the program, so a, a Google search for ReachVet will get you quite a few hits. There was an interesting piece that I was fortunate enough to be interviewed for by National Public Radio a few months ago, and there's been some other more recent pieces that talk generally about the program. If you're a VA employee, the Rocky Mountain Myrick website hosts our ReachVet team site. So if you're inside of our system, there's a host of information available there. Um, and then I think we can link to a couple other sources of information here, perhaps with the podcast. Excellent. We'll definitely uh, be happy to include those links 
Um, and again, Aaron, thanks for shedding light on this program. Any parting thoughts before we let you go today? Thanks, Adam. We're really fortunate um, in VA to be able to have resources and support available to do new bold things to help veterans. And, you know, I'm very fortunate to have played a role with ReachVet here and continue to lead this program for, for VA. It's uh, a great way to give back and hopefully I, it's something that we continue to see value from going forward. Well, that's going to do it for today's podcast, folks. Uh, we really appreciate you for tuning in. Of course, check out the accompanying links, as we mentioned, so you can learn more about Aaron Egan and the ReachVet program. As always, we invite you to reach out to us with comments, feedback, questions, any reactions that you had about uh, using predictive in analytics in this way. And take a moment to subscribe to the podcast, share it with others. And until next time, join us for more interviews on important work in suicide prevention.